It is an honor to be picked. Maybe you remember being on a playground as a young kid and they were divvying up teams for kickball and they picked you first to be on their team. It's an honor to be picked. It's what we see about one of the Bears hopefuls. I don't know if you've heard about this man, Justin Fields, picked first round, number 11 overall. Is he the answer? I don't know. Time will tell. It's an honor to be picked, though. If you've ever gone for a job interview, it's an honor when after two rounds or three rounds or four rounds, they call you up and say, we would like to work with you. It's an honor when uh, someone asks you out, if you remember those days of romance, says, hey, I I'm interested in you. I want to hang out with you. Well, I'll never forget one of my biggest honors, and if you've been in Amazing Love for a while, you've heard this about a thousand times. Uh, if you're new, though, it's, it's always fun to share. There was one time that I was honored to be picked on The Price is Right. Yes. I'm a big deal. But I heard Dustin Bloomer, come on down, you're the next contestant on The Price is Right. And, and yes, I, I danced with Drew Carey on the stage. Yes, I was a winner. Um, we have a bedroom set to prove it. Um, it was just amazing honor to be picked for The Price is Right. Maybe some of you have dreamed of that. But there's a bigger honor than that yet. And it's the honor that each and every one of you have as you're with us this morning. Because I want to let you know that there is a God over the whole universe who looked at you and said, I pick you. I want you. Not only to live and walk in this world, but he has picked you to know his son Jesus Christ. The son that we get to learn about in this moment together. The son who is savior over all. And this is what you need to know. That to be picked by God to believe in Jesus is the highest honor. And nothing comes close. No, no job, no, no college acceptance. To, to know that there is a Savior who has conquered death, who gives you the right for peace no matter the sin in your life, that is the highest honor you'll ever receive. And it's interesting to know when God picked you. I want to share with you one of uh, the most phenomenal passages in the whole of Scripture. Um, it, it leads to a teaching called predestination. And, and it's this idea that even before you had life and breath, even before this world existed, God had you in mind to know Jesus. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4, or in Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Before there was a sun, moon, and stars, he said, you know what I want? These people to be in my family. How awesome. And while that is the highest honor and nothing comes close, what you also need to know is that God has picked you to do good things on his behalf. God has picked you to serve in his name, as we just sung about. And we learn that also from the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, it says this, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so one of the pictures of the Bible is that we are a lump of clay and that he is the, the potter. 
And, and he has formed us all to be different kinds of vessels, to do different functions, um, and, and really to serve in his household. And that's what we want to talk about today. The privilege of being used by that potter in use for his kingdom. And so we're in this series called Big Church, and we're looking at five intentionalities. And as long as we exist as a church, we're always going to want to serve our God together. In fact, one of our core values at Amazing Love is all involved. That it can line up with your schedule, it can line up with your passions, but we are better together. When everyone has a hand in what we do together for the Lord, we are better. And so the lesson we get to learn from is um, the sending out of the disciples the very first time. So we're going to learn from Matthew, who was picked to be one of the twelve. And we're going to hear from Jesus what it's going to be like being sent out to go serve him in the kingdom. And, and these words don't just apply to them then, but still apply to us who want to serve today. So as we turn to Matthew chapter 10, in honor of God's word, can I invite you to stand? And we hear many different verses of the, the sending out. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. But he warned them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snake and as innocent as doves. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for the students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, and by the way, that's what they called Jesus, they thought he was Satan. How much more the members of his household, basically people are not going to like you. They're going to call you names because of Jesus. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? You know, one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. These are the powerful words. You may be seated if you'd like. Quick audience poll. How many of you like saying something at this point? How many of you prefer not saying something at this point? We're going to go with the preference of the not saying today, just to know that you too are loved in the body. I can't promise that forever. When we live, one of the wise ways to live is managing expectations. I want to talk a little bit about managing expectations. And we have the categories of uh, optimist, glass half full. We have a pessimist, glass half empty. And we have realists, where something in the middle. Um, and, and what I see is that in, in certain arenas of life, people have too high of expectations. Can we talk about marriage? All right, so I don't mean to be down about it, but uh, if you're like me, if you grew up with me, um, you grew up watching Disney movies. And Disney movies were all about finding the right person. Consider the story of Cinderella. The problem in the story is that she just needs to find the prince because once she finds the prince, that's when they live Absolutely. And so men and women get together and they're feeling like finding each other was really fun. They go to balls called dates and it's really kind of nice. And so then they believe that it's going to be happily ever after. 
And married couples, you don't have to respond, don't say anything, but is that the way it always is? All right. Or consider this. We have students who want to do a job, and maybe you already know what you want to be. We have the future marine biologists of the world. And they go to school, and it's eight years long, and so the expectations are super high when they get the job at SeaWorld working with the dolphins. But then there's still the curse of sin, and there's adulthood, and the grit that's necessary in any job, in any location, in any company. And so you have all these expectations, and the reality can lead to disappointment. Managing expectations is super wise. Uh, let's talk about more about life. What should we expect as far as expectations for sinful government? Should our expectations, regardless of who's in the White House, be that everything is going to be hunky-dory, everything is going to be perfect when sinners are in charge? What should we expect with our bodies? which God told us are subject to decay and no one lives past 120, should the expectations be that I will always live incredibly healthy? No, wisdom is, is managing those expectations. In fact, I learned from a great couple who said one of the reasons they're so adaptable is because they set their expectations pretty low and are surprised by all the good stuff that will happen afterwards. I bring this up because God is sending out people, and as he does, he says, you need to expect something. You, you need to know what's coming. And as he sends them out, this is the expectation he gives them. He says, I am sending you like sheep among wolves. Watch out. He says, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? And if you're in your Bible, by the way, we, we love the Bible here, so if you bring a Bible, we're going to use Bibles. It's cool. Um, if you have a Bible app and you want to look at that section of Scripture, in Matthew chapter 10, he gives us all sorts of expectations for the disciples. That they'll be handed over and put on trial. That they'll be flogged. Uh, that they will be hated. That that will lead to family rifts. Um, it will have all these kind of hard expectations as they want to serve Jesus. So this is our first takeaway. Our first takeaway is this, that to serve the Lord is to sign up for spiritual warfare. You're entering the most intense battle that exists because the, the battle we fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the dark forces of the spiritual world, of which there are many, in ways that we cannot see. And if you say, I want to serve Jesus, watch out, you just became on the front lines. And the reason I need to call that out, because I know I'm not going to invite you to sign up right now after that plug, okay? I'll do that later. Um, but the reason I need to point that out is this. Sometimes I think our expectations for things in the church are not realistic. Would you agree? Now, maybe let's see why we get there. I believe that on planet Earth, a good church working well is the best possible place you can be. That's what I truly believe. A good church working well is the best place you can possibly be on planet Earth. And yet, that church is comprised of sinners. 
And yet that means we are going to step on each other's toes and we're going to get it wrong and we're going to need to uh, give forgiveness and be forgiven. We're, we're going to have that happening in the church of God. That's just true. And what does this mean for service? I think sometimes we see the nobility of what it is to serve the Lord and, and, and we forget the warning. And so we, we think, man, it's going to just be hunky-dory because obviously our intentions are good, of which they are, and, and obviously I have the gifts to do it, and, and you do, um, but then you have, oh, they don't like it. Oh, that wasn't a nice comment. Oh, why are they in such a mood? And all of these obstacles come up at times, and I think it's where many people are led to drop out. Oh, I, I didn't think it should be like this, so I, I better just, maybe it's not my thing. In fact, I wonder how many of us, when the cross comes, because that's ultimately what God said we'd bear. He said we'd bear a cross for him. How many of us haven't handled that cross so well? How many of us have tried to escape the obstacle of what it was to serve the Lord in the same way as the disciples? And so I don't know about you, but I can repent of the times I didn't handle my cross so well. Times where I, God, this is unfair. God, I, I didn't know, and God says, I warned you. But here's the encouragement. As you sign up for spiritual warfare, guess who's on your team? Yeah, there is a real adversary, but he's not strong. Not like the strong one. Not like our Savior, Jesus. When you sign up to serve him, you have the greatest captain that exists. In fact, I love what Luther said about him. Uh, there's this hymn called A Mighty Fortress. And, and look what he says in verse 2. With might of ours cannot be done. Soon were our loss affected. But for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. You ask who this is? Jesus Christ it is. The almighty Lord, and there's no other God. He holds the field forever. Yes, it's intense to be a Christian. Yes, it's intense to serve him still. And yet, he reminds us he has conquered the devil through his cross. He reminds us he's conquered death through the resurrection. That we win in the end. And I remind you, you live in the peace of forgiveness. He's forgiven all the times we didn't handle our own crosses so well. So that's the warning. And if you can put up with the warning of serving God, let me get to the good stuff. Let me get into the encouragement of why you don't want to miss out on the opportunity that exists. To talk about this... Um, it's interesting that during certain people's lifetime, their renown is not always recognized. That what they're doing in the moment does not get the attention that it truly deserves. I think of a singer named Aretha Franklin. Have you heard of her? We had a teen group, and I asked them how much they knew the song Respect, and I think I saw one hand. Not good, friends. Yeah, you know the playlist going home. And we know that she had an impact when it comes to music. We know her style, her lyrics, uh, respect was a great one. Sock it to me, sock it to me. I mean, that's just fun. Um, and so it was after she died in 2018 that in 2019 she was awarded a Pulitzer Prize uh, for her lyrics, for what she had done. 
And I bring this up because sometimes the world is slow to catch up on the significance of what happens. And I wonder if that's true for those we find in the Bible. Go with me here. Did Paul know the magnitude of the work he was doing and the ripple effect it would have while he was doing it? How could he? How could he know that for millennia we'd be talking about the letters that he wrote? That really he'd share the gospel to the ends of the world so that we could be here? Or, or what about this? The woman who took expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, did she have any idea that she was preparing Jesus' body for burial? That that story would be told for generations did Moses, did David, as they led, as they tried to serve God in difficult circumstances, did they know that we would be learning from their example generations in the way that we are today? Probably not. And I bring this up because I think in moments when we serve God, the impact isn't seen immediately. In fact, you can serve God in an incredible way and someone might not even notice. So someone might not even say a thing. And yet that service is so important. And Jesus says, when no one else sees, I do. In fact, in the whole of this section, some of the most comforting words. Jesus said this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yeah, not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. The hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. We look out and we see a handful of sparrows. God sees them all. We look out and we see heads of hair. He says, I count them all. And what he's telling us in the midst of our service is, I see what you're doing. When no one else can see, and so why do we serve the Lord? Because it's seen always and cared for always by the God overall. You might not get an earthly award. You might not even get a thank you. But it does not mean our God did not see. In fact, the story that correlates so well with this is a parable of Jesus Jesus said, you know, when handing out gifts and talents, it's like handing out these bags of gold. And, and to one he gave five and three and one. And then, as a picture of the end of life, God comes back and sees what was done with what God gave. Do, does anyone know this story? And, and God has this accounting for how people put into use for the kingdom what they did with what he gave. And for those who used it for the Lord, this is what he says. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Do you want to live in a wise way? I have one analogy that could shape the entirety of the rest of your life. And that is to look at this life as a placement test. That the whole of your 50, 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years is simply a placement test Seeing, God, what you've done with what I gave and how I can appropriate that for all of eternity. Because he sees and he cares. But what does serving God also feel like? You know, to, to set expectations correctly, I want to refer to a marshmallow test 
uh, that was done in 1970s at Stanford. Uh, the marshmallow test had kids who came in, and they were offered a marshmallow that they could eat immediately. But if they didn't eat it immediately, um, if they waited, they could get two later on. And so this was redone in a video, and I wanted to share this just brief one-minute video clip of what it might look like for a kid to be given this choice. Uh, so here are a few kids. He's my favorite, by the way. So I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. The bird in the hand. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need him. <laughs> she had her one, she's done. It's great. It's great. Serving God. On a particular day, you might have many opportunities, like marshmallows right in front of you. On a Sunday morning, think of all the options of what you could do. You could sleep in. Uh, you could go have fun golfing around the lake. You, you could um, work a little bit more and, and get more money. Uh, there, there are many marshmallows that are just in front of you. But if you're willing to say, ah, I'm going to wait on that while I do this other thing, it's then that something better comes if you see it rightly through the eyes of faith. In fact, Jesus, he put it this way. He said, whoever finds their life will lose it. If all you're concerned about is the marshmallows that you have right in front of you, is everything you could do right now, all the fun that could be had and money could be spent and gotten, uh, you might be in jeopardy of losing it all. But if you're willing to lose all of that, to put that first marshmallow aside, you'll find what is truly life. And that's what it feels like because in so many areas of our faith life, God invites you to go first. Trust me first and see what I give later. That's so true when it comes to handling money. It's so true when it comes to serving God. It's so true when you're in the precipice of a morality issue. He says, trust me and see what I do later. In fact, C.S. Lewis, he put it this way. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So if you're taking notes, the next takeaway is this. That serving the Lord, I believe, is like trading an immediate good, a marshmallow in front of you, for a better good later on. Uh, for something more recognizable. An impact for the kingdom. But finally, how will we serve him? And in what ways are you uniquely built to serve him? It's interesting how differently God made us. Do you have people in your life where you have a strong preference for this, and when you bring it up to them, they give you like a dead face or a weird face, or like, I can't believe why you like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember when this happened to me. I was in Prague, and um, uh, there was an opportunity to go to an opera. 
and, and to go to this huge opera house in Prague uh, to see Don Giovanni was $4. I'm like, that's a steal. And, and I love music, and I love theater, and, and this is a classic thing in an incredible location. Let's go see Don Giovanni for $4. How could you not want to do that? Well, in our party was someone who knew why they did not want to do that. Three hours of loud Italian singing was not their jam. And they made that very clear. And it's so interesting how God has built us so differently. Well, one can so love something, the other one says, eh? Isn't that true of service to the Lord? Isn't that true of the work that we get to do? One job, someone might look at it like, I can't believe why you'd ever like to do that. And you're like, that's my jam. And that's why there's so many different ways to serve God. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Because God has made us so uniquely and given us so many different gifts. In fact, um, I think of what Jesus empowered the disciples of his age to do. I wonder if you'd like to do what they were empowered to do. Consider this authority. He says, I give them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness. Now, I think that's really cool. In, in fact, some of the disciples came back in, in Scripture and said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. Or to heal sickness? What a power, what a privilege. Does the Lord still give incredible gifts to his church? Is he still generous in doling that out? I think so. What is it to drive out demons as it is to drive out our anxiety as we hear beautiful music as our musicians do? What is it to heal sickness? Then when someone comes into church and they were weighed down and Christian love gives them a, a turnaround. We have the opportunity to use the gifts God gave and make a huge impact. And that's what I hear you're already doing. I know in this church, we pray for one another. We love one another. We walk together. And by that, we are all blessed. And so you have an opportunity to join with us. Our take-home for today is this, that um, out at our, our booth, which we're calling our hub, uh, Pastor Jeff and Julie will be there, and we just want to get to know you and, and talk to you about volunteer opportunities. And if you don't get a chance to talk to them, feel free to talk to me or to carry on this conversation. That's our take-home, is just talking about how God might use your unique giftedness in this place in service to him. Because at the end of the day, do you think it's a privilege to serve God? Am I the only one? Do you think the disciples felt honored to be picked by Jesus and sent out in such a way? Even knowing all that they'd endure? I think the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. The Paul, picked by, by Jesus, says this about his service. He said so Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's not something you can say about every other category of life. It's not something you can say about watching every sports game, that it was not in vain. 
Not something you can say about binging Netflix or scrolling Facebook. But it's something we can always say when we give our hearts in service to the Lord, knowing that He sees and cares. And so here's the reality, our, our last note. Serving the Lord, I promise you, won't always be easy. And I need to say that. I know that's not a great sales pitch, but that's reality. It won't always be easy. But it will always be worth it. When we get to heaven. So may God give you eyes to see that and strength to serve him according to your wisdom. Because it will always be my privilege to serve him with you. Amen.